Welcome to the Gresham Renaissance Podcast. Each week, we'd like to take a few minutes to go over important topics on our mind. Since our city always has many things going on, it's a chance to throw out other topics that may be of interest. So, what's on our radar? So many topics on our radar you may want to know more about. First, at our last council meeting in July, the safety levy ballot measure was discussed, and it looks like it's going back to the voters in May of 2024. Coming up to council, there will be a report about the citizen advisory committees and recommendations on how to reorganize them. You may recall in a previous meeting, recommendations were brought forward and the community was not happy with those recommendations and had concerns. So we've gone back to the drawing board and we're hoping to hear some more information from staff at an upcoming council meeting. The Gresham Redevelopment Commission, which is the councilors serving for the Urban Renewal District, will be hearing about the various projects that the commission would like to fund with the voter approval to extend the Urban Renewal District in order to spend the remaining funds available in this community. That should be an interesting discussion, and we hope you stay tuned. Thank you. Hi, so this is Councillor Dina Danucci here today on the Gresham Renaissance Podcast with some very honored guests. We have brought a few members of the Gresham Charter Committee together who are tasked to making changes to the Gresham City Charter. And I would like to start with the introductions. Um, if you could each tell me your name and what your role was on the Charter Committee. Joseph, can we start with you? Sure. My name is Joseph Ndaya, and I've served as the chair of the Gresham Charter Review Committee. I'm Dana Stroud. I was a member of the committee as well as the subcommittee. I'm Jack Hollis. I was a member of the committee and also chair of subcommittee. I'm Tim Fear, a member of the full committee and the subcommittee. Can you explain why the Charter Committee exists and why the Charter Committee makes recommendations to council on ballot measures? So every eight years, the Gresham City Charter states that a citizen committee will come together to look at the charter and see if we want to change anything. Uh, whether it be removing stuff, adding stuff, etc. A city charter in Oregon basically serves as the city constitution. So the four of us served on that committee looking at what we could do to improve the city charter. This is probably a good time to discuss when you say the city's constitution, the kinds of things that are in that document. And maybe this is a good time to go over some of the things that you guys reviewed and made recommendations on to the larger council. Sure. So some example of some things in the city charter are like our form of government, such as how many councils we have. Do we have a mayor? Um, how our voting works? Do we do like ranked choice voting? Do we do first past the post voting? How we handle urban renewal? Uh, how we handle elections? All those sorts of things are in the charter. And some of the things we recommended to change, there's six of them. I'm hoping I can name all six off the top of my head. There is... Ranked choice voting. I'm trying to do it off the top of my head, and then I'll look. Then I'll look. We got, we got ranked choice voting, districting, removing gender gendered terms from the charter, removing the six percent vote threshold for to amend the charter, and now yeah, I forgot the other two. Someone can take it from there. Uh, the city auditor. So city elect, auditor. Yeah, yeah elected city auditor. Filling and, of vacancies. And then also we had proposed non-discrimination work be completed. So when you list these things, especially I'm thinking of filling of vacancies, that would be changing the current process of how they fill vacancies on the city council? 
Yeah, yeah, both the city council and the mayor, I believe, we were we were wanting to make sure that there was a process that involved the public, because right now it's just by appointment of the majority of city councilors. And so the, the city councilors could and have historically just made a decision to put someone that they want to fill a position. We were really wanting to change up the power dynamics so that people and the power of people is elevated uh, because that feels more democratic to us. And regarding the, the district idea that we put forth to the city council, we proposed uh, from going from at-large elections to four districts with two members each. And the mayor, however, would still be elected at-large. I'd like to turn the conversation to Jack. I know that there was a subcommittee that was part of this as well, and I know that subcommittee put in a ton of work. Can you talk a little bit about why the subcommittee was formed and what, what they focused on? Yeah, so the subcommittee was formed when we realized uh, the scope of the project was pretty immense, and we needed to have people meeting much more often and even for longer meetings. So we started meeting weekly, and we started, I think, I think we tried to start at two-hour meetings, but we ended up going to four-hour meetings pretty quickly. And our original charge was to do the community outreach, so to be in charge of all of community outreach for both subcommittee issues and full committee issues. And then also we were charged with looking into the districting and the changing how Gresham residents vote. Do you happen to remember how many hours you and the subcommittee ended up putting in? Because I was really amazed. And when I would go back, either came to the meeting or went back and listened to the meetings, thinking that I would just see a couple meetings to catch up on, maybe some short meetings. And I was like, wow. Um, I, I feel guilty about maybe how much... I feel like I put a lot of work in as a counselor, but I'm not sure that I have uh, met the standard and the dedication that you guys have done, but the conversations were always so interesting. I stayed listening uh, through the information and always found it really valuable. So we, as a, as a committee, came together for about 16 months. So this is the full committee and subcommittee. Um, we had 32 subcommittee meetings. So that's about 64 to 128 hours wow. of subcommittee meetings. <laughs> and then 16 full committee meetings. Uh, at least that's from what I was counting when we when we saw the, the end total. And so that's another 32 to 64 hours. So roughly about just under 200 hours or so we put into this. Times so, by six people? Uh, six more. Six residents? More than that. Uh, we had more residents at certain points, and then it pared down slightly as time went on. Plus and, two or three staff, city yeah. staff, that were at all those meetings. Yep. We had at least, at least three city staff yeah. at all those meetings. Mm -hmm. And I'll add for the record, I'm the only person here that wasn't on the subcommittee, so everyone else meant more than me, but I was the chair, so, you know. I had, <laughs> that I had, had the gavel. You had, you had the gavel in a very important and role. You did also go back and watch That's most true. of those. I did all, watch all of them. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's important to point out the members of the Charter Committee were appointed by City Council. So these all of your positions were uh, recommended and by City Councilors who tasked you with looking at the... Uh, at the charter and right. doing the work. An interesting step in that process is after you finish coming up with your recommendations, then it does come back to council and council looks it over and determines which things to send forward. I'm gonna get back into that a little bit later, but the next thing I would like to step into is the discussion about community involvement. I think that's one of the things when we're looking at, is this 
the community's wish? Is it, was it up to the committee to determine, or is it up to the council, or are we really trying to pull from the community? So what did community involvement look like? I'll, I'll start with this first and then hand it over to my peers as they did much more with the community involvement. And like an upside down pyramid scope, like starting broad, we all came to the committee with our own ideas on like what we think could be improved for the Gresham Charter. And then we took those ideas and then went to the community and asked like, what do you think about some of these? And separately, what are some ideas you, you as a community might have that we should incorporate? My fellow members, not myself too much, but went out into the community to lots of community events and spoke to people one-on-one to get that feedback, and they can talk more about that. As uh, Joseph was saying, early in the process, we realized that we all brought our own ideas to what could be changed, and there was huge gaps there. By just definition of who got chosen for these roles and who had the time to do it, we were pretty a pretty narrow gap of like-minded individuals. We all we were all people who could afford to take a day off in the middle of the week. All people who could afford to spend two hundred hours and not get paid for it. So uh, we realized quickly that we represent a portion of the community, but not the full community. And so that was that was part of why we made a subcommittee was that we knew we had to focus on getting getting input from the full community if we're going to be making decisions for the full community. And we didn't want to put anything to the council that we didn't know the community wasn't behind. Yeah, that that's ultimately we, what our goal was. Is, yes. You know, yes, we might have ideas of our own, but uh, we're really here to make sure that we're putting forward ideas that the community needs, right. not just things that we think are good ideas. Right. Can you give some ideas of how you reached out to the community? We did go uh, to like five or six events. We went to the opening of the Rockwood Market, the Arts Festival, the Juneteenth meeting, uh, Diversity Euphoria and several neighborhood um, community events on the neighborhood time in August. And those were all of our in-person. Those were we all in-person. We yes. also put out um, a survey through the city, and we hired a facilitator to hold listening sessions with the community. Uh, does anyone have numbers on Shawnee's listening sessions, how many people attended? Yeah, they had um, a wait list far beyond this even, um, but yeah. they did end up doing listening sessions with, I think, 352 people. Um, and we were pretty specific with the facilitator, you know, that we recognized we were, at the time, I think 10 of 12 of us identified as white. And so we really wanted to make sure that we were getting other lenses brought in. And so Shawnee was very specific in doing guided listening sessions with community members that had different backgrounds than what we were able to provide um, perspective around. One of the things interesting that we learned around this was, you know, when it comes to districting, which was one of the main things that we were charged to do, we learned along the way that Gresham actually used to have districts. And that when the annexation happened and Rockwood became part of Gresham, shortly thereafter, the districts were removed. And so this kind of history um, also played into our recommendations and something that we wanted to hear from community around as well. When you talk to the community, did the community understand these concepts? Was there a way to explain what districting was versus non-districting, et cetera, and the different voting voting options? I, I would, my experience with the four events I went to, 
was where we start out with Joseph in this conversation, explaining to people what the city charter was. So just at Vance Park, we had the Juneteenth uh, meeting, and it said Gresham City Charter Committee, and that was the initial part of most of my conversation. What the heck is your charter? And then we would use the word constitution as a synonym, of course, and that would start the ball rolling. So it was real. It was very. So it was necessary education, and then from my experience, every response was, "Oh, I don't feel represented." You know, why should I be involved? So we're talking about the idea of districts, and the conversations would unfold, and the majority of the respondents liked the idea of districts once they understood what a charter does could do for them. Right, wanting someone from your neighborhood, someone from be, your neighborhood to be your spokesperson and someone that understands the same issues, like a lack of sidewalks or streetlights, someone who's experienced how far it is to t- or how long it is to take a bus to get to the grocery store or to the nearest park. People that live in your region or your district understand those things way more intimately than someone who lives you know, completely across town and has a different set of problems. So that's something that was very attractive to community members. Even if we don't use the word district, just talking about having a neighborhood person who would represent you at the city level was highly attractive to, what, 97% of people, I think, was the, the result that we had come up with? Yeah, it was definitely And I'll say, kind of, to your question, Dina, um, do people understand, and are they able to figure out kind of what we're talking about? Because we spent 16 months with... Uh, what was it, two professors and probably 12 different organizations teaching us the intricacies of all of these various things. Um, When we go out and we talk to the community, we don't need to ask them, you know, what are your opinions on, you know, the difference between ranked choice voting and star at, uh, (laughs) I know, close to your heart, Joseph, (laughs) the difference between ranked choice voting and star uh, when it comes to political manipulation. Because, you know, it'd be great if people had that answer, but we barely have that answer. And, you know, that's what we're asking the professors who spend their lives dedicated to these questions. What, what we're out there asking is, what do you want to see more of? What's important to you? So we get those, we get those big, big level answers from people. Then we take those back and we use those big level answers to guide what our decisions are going to be when we start getting down to the minutiae of it. So, you know, when we hear from people things like, we want more accountability, we want more uh, direct representation, things like that, then when we bring them back, we know the directions we can go based off what people at, at their core want. Right. So there's a lens of the educational process we went through, and then there's another lens of what is the community's need or desire that they voiced to us in listening sessions, online surveys, and in-person events. So there's kind of a two-step process that we went through. Chair and Daya, did you have something to say? Yeah, so I just wanted to add that the the Charter Review Committee was formed because City Council wanted us to look at two specific questions, and it was mentioned before, but to reiterate, one, what's the feasibility and desire to have districts, and two, what's the fe- feasibility and desire to change our voting system? So going to the community, asking those big questions, some answers we heard we want to be represented, which led to the districting recommendation, and separately, do you feel like you can cast your vote for who you want. And that's a separate question. Most people felt like, no, they ha- they voted who they thought could win, not who they wanted wanted to win, which is where our second big recommendation, ranked choice voting, came into play. 
and I think it's really interesting to know the amount of education that you were receiving from professionals and, and likely the pros and cons on each of these things before you, you could move forward and dive deeper. So that's... It was like a 250-page report of anyone feeling ambitious. You can read it. <laughs> so this process wrapped up with a report to council. Um, and from that process, do you believe there are any clarifications or further information that need to be considered before the council determines which charter committee recommendations should go forward to the ballot? I think that the city council should be hesitant to discard any of the recommendations at all. They spent a lot of money to get these recommendations. We spent 16 months speaking to just so many professionals about this. I think it was like 10 groups and two, two law professors. Um, we, widowed, we widowed this down from a list of 50-some-odd down to six because those were the most impactful six that we could choose. And the idea that we spent all of that time and then city council may just decide on a whim to not put it forward is pretty egregious. I would like, I would like to hear why, if any of these are decided not, not to be allowed to be voted on. Because we're not saying these are things that are put into the charter. We're saying we want these to be voted on by the residents. If city council says we don't want to allow our residents to have this option, then I think it's real important to hear why that decision has been made. Emphasize and reiterate what Jack said. If the city council and the mayor decide not to move anything forward, they better have a really good reason. One thing that I was thinking um, in terms of recommendations is I would love to see the council, um, if it is in the best interest of the passage of these amendments, to combine ranked choice voting and districting as one ballot measure and to have that hopefully go in a fall election, not a spring election, because that's when most people do turn out. I do think that there's going to have to be quite a lot more planning that goes into public education efforts around the ranked choice voting and districting, as well as the need for a city auditor and the non-discrimination package of work. So um, those three issues, or four if ranked choice voting and districting are separated, going on a fall election is, I think, the best way to go. I could see the filling of vacancies and the gender neutral terms being two issues that might require a little bit less planning and effort on behalf of the city council and that those might be able to pass in a, a spring election on a separate um, ballot than the others. And of course it makes sense to have the threshold lowered before any of those other issues go on an amendment. So having the um, threshold to pass to make any changes to our charter to move from 60%, which it currently is, back down to 50% so that we're more in alignment with other cities just makes sense. We're the only city in the state that doesn't do it. Even, I mean, even modifying the state constitution only requires a majority. I believe it was the July 18th meeting, at the July 11th meeting, pardon me, city council had on the agenda a discussion regarding the amendment to modify the charter requirements to change the charter from 60% to 50%. There were some comments made by council that made light of the majority of voters in the city of Gresham. They called the will of the majority, they referred to it as a whim or an easy hurdle to clear or any, or 
something that can be blown by any wind or tide. So on the July 18th meeting, I appeared before council and made note of how, I'm gonna, I'm gonna use the word egregious that was. A political body that is elected by a majority of voters understands intric intricately how important the word majority is. But the way that the council spoke, some council spoke on the July 11th meeting had complete disregard for the power of the majority. There has been some, I per I've perceived hesitation around fully supporting this amendment to lower the threshold to amend the charter. I don't know why that is. I think one counselor said, quote, why do we even need this? Which I don't, I don't know how you can be a, a majority elected official and say that personally. If, if they, like, they understand how strong a majority is, it's anti-democratic to have this. It's ruled by the minority to have mm -hmm. this because 41% of voters can override the uh, will 41? of the majority. 41%? Because you need 60%. So 41% stop something. Like, you're at 59, you won't pass. So 41% of voters can stop a charter Got amendment. You. Right. Therefore, so in other words, the minority can right. rule, stop. Rule by the majority. the minority. Rule by the minority, which is the word you haven't used. It is elitist. Yeah, it's, it's... In America, at all levels of government, we believe in majority rule. And minority rule is just not part of our governance in this country. So this has happened twice in the history of Gresham where the minority was able to stop something from being implemented. One thing was an anti-discrimination measure of which yes. I believe 50, just over 50%, 50.2% of voters said, hey, we should add an anti-discrimination measure to the charter. It, it surpassed majority support, but was not implemented because of the current requirements to amend the charter. And separately, a city auditor position was I'm going to say approved, for lack of a better word, was approved by 55% of voters uh, in the 80s, and the city had a city auditor. And then someone realized, oh, wait a second, we need 60% to have a city auditor. So they eliminated the position. I think in the past, as Dana mentioned earlier, um, after Rockwood was annexed, the districting went away. The same election that uh, districting went away, which is to say... Uh, it was voted on, the election became at-large. That was the same election, I believe, that the, uh, the requirement to amend the charter was increased from 50% to 60%. There was some great uh, public comment by community member Carol Rula, who who shared that I think both initiatives, if, if I'm wrong about that, I apologize, but at least the 60% initiative was a citizen uh, initiative. Like, city council didn't, like, put that on the ballot. Citizens put that on the ballot, and it was voted on. A very, like, small number. I think it was, like, less than 1,000 people. It was a who's who of yeah. leaders in Gresham at the time to put it on the ballot. And then the elections the in the 70s and 80s shifted the power dynamics in Gresham that we are still feeling today. So in the last council meeting, when there was a discussion about how ballot measures were going to go forward, there was some discussion about which ballots to put some various measures, other ones that were up in front of the council that night, forward based on the fact that it could potentially cost additional monies to put these on mm -hmm. certain ballots. So because of that, we postponed putting the 60% the um, of voters' ballot for quite some time out, uh, which will then postpone likely any further initiatives making it to the ballot that the Charter Committee worked on. So how do you guys feel about that? Does that impact any, feel you, that impacts any of the work you do, or is it going to be harder to get these passed and with a new council, etc.? Your thoughts? 
So my first thought when you hear this is always, is this being put off as a way to make it go away? As a way to not have to vote on it and just to kind of quietly sweep it under the rug. So I would like to see assurances that that isn't the case. I would like to see something from council which might give them the leeway to choose when things go on the ballot because, you know, they have other other considerations that we might not know about, but still gives an approval of all of these going on the ballot in X amount of time, like a year and a half or two years or something like that, so that we know it's not just being swept under the rug, but this truly is accommodations that need to be made for this to go forward or for this to be successful. Until we have those assurances, it does feel like, you know, every time we put off, uh, every day you put off justice is a loss. And if we're putting off, you know, more equitable governance or uh, better democracy, that seems problematic. It's it's a disappointment also for me and, and almost some confusion because there was a lot of pressure put on us around timing. Yes. And we were, yes. we were, yeah. like, for instance, we were told we couldn't finish the non-discrimination amendment specifically because we had to buckle it up and send it off to council. So we could have potentially finished some of that work or added to it because there were additional things like that ranked really high on our list of issues that we wanted to pursue and, and deepen, make recommendations around. Disappointment. And as someone, you know, that was in the chamber when they made the decision to postpone both the urban renewal and the 60% charter amendment to the May 2024 ballot, while I understood the reasoning, I feel like they made the, the decision a little too hastily because the presentation put forth had said that there would be a point uh, in August, later this month, of which they could revisit this question, should we have this on the November 23 ballot or not, and we'll have a better, the city will have a better idea of the costs in August before making a final decision, and council didn't seem too interested in waiting for that information before punting it to the May 2024. There was one dissenting vote, which is... (laughs) (laughs) And I felt strongly about it, darn it. It's also probably worth mentioning that that was the city's recommendation. So the city's internal recommendation was to, uh, if, if the option was to not put it on right away, to delay and then revisit and the council went against that recommendation. That means that the, the, the 60% discussion moves all the way to May 2024. So if that is the case, then obviously we're looking further elections out. Mm-hmm. You can go further into this conversation and assume once again, if they are going to try for the other items to not have to pay to have something on the ballot during off times, then we... I'm not sure what the timeline looks at if you're looking at the other recommendations that you all have before they make it on the ballot. Any concern? You said, Jack, that you were thinking like they, if the commitment or assurance would you would like to see like a year and a half as the amount of time that could go by. Any concerns about the data being considered not as relevant after a few years have gone by into the work? and or that we're not going to have the big advocates we have here today that have the knowledge available to support the ballot measures? I I can answer some of that for sure. So the idea that the data wouldn't be uh, still supporting kind of what the work we've done, this is actually pretty old data. This is is something that people have been fighting over for a long time. 
And, you know, all of the organizations we talked to are organizations based around better democracy. So all of these organizations have been fighting this fight for many, many years, long before we got involved. And they're all nonpartisan, we should add. Yeah, and so the idea that, you know, is, is, is our report ever going to become stale? I don't think so. I think our report would be just as valid 10 years from now as it is today. Now to talk about, you know, what those, what those assurances could look like and still be a useful assurance, I think... You know, I, I realize that there's going to be there's going to be some some timelines that have to be taken into account um, because I know the general consensus was getting that sixty percent in first was important for everyone, and that's by the way this isn't to make a change it's to give the to give our residents an opportunity right. to decide if they want to make that change or not. Um, my thinking would be the next time we have a, a full election we should be seeing everything else caught up. Anything beyond that, I I would be real interested in hearing why why that couldn't happen. Well, the May is the May twenty twenty four is the primary election for the president election of November twenty twenty four. This is August, so there's twenty twenty three. So there's plenty of time to get the sixty percent on the May ballot, maybe uh, something else, and for sure get districts and RCV on the November ballot 2024. I mean, that would you'd think there'd be plenty of time. I think with the city council, uh, regarding what Jack's phrase, better democracy, what the city council needs to do, and Jack's point about letting the people vote, is they need to come up with a timeline of how these measures are going to come to the people and just develop that and get it going. So to add real quick to what you were saying, Tim, as well, um, I've heard council talk about the ideas of polling and figuring out how this is going to play out in the polls. I understand that that makes sense if if there's kind of an option of, you know, is this is this something they want to do or not? And I think the reality we should be looking at is, do you really need a poll? Right. Because we're, we're not saying these are, these are changes that are or are not going to happen. What our suggestion is these are changes that need to be voted on by the residents. The people should be the poll. So you don't, you don't need a poll to figure out if it's going to succeed or not. We need to have these in front of the residents, whether we think it's going to succeed or not, just so the residents can make that determination. As you guys mentioned before regarding community engagement, it is not as if community hasn't got some insights already regarding that information. So mm -hmm. I can understand how that may not make a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. So you were asking about, you know, do we have any concerns? I, I had three concerns, but I forgot one. I have two <laughs> concerns. Um, first, you know, between now and when any, whenever any of these get voted on, city, the, the shape and makeup of city council may or may not change, which could affect how anything, any, if anything does or does not move forward. That's a whole separate conversation of why does city council involved in this process in the first place, but that's in the charter and might be changed at a future well, date. So um, let me stop you there. Involved in the process in the first place or involved in making the final decision? In making the final decision. So that's one concern is the makeup of a council might change and will change how things do or do not move forward. My second concern is um, the May 2024 election, let's assume 60% is on there. Let's assume it passes. You know, I'll be cheering in the streets. But as Tim said, he thinks there's a lot of time before the November 2024 election to put the other stuff. I'm a little worried about that because that's a lot of voter education and a contested election cycle to like get get residents and voters to 
not necessarily understand, but even be aware of like what is going to be on the hypothetical November 2024 ballot. Yeah, and there's a much bigger conversation there that we could get into, mm-hmm. but there was definitely some review even about why the last levy didn't pass, where they kind of dug into the information as to when you're putting your measures, et cetera, forward, what kind of elections make sense based on the kind of voters that turn out. And if it is it is a very strong feeling on, per se, another option that came up on their ballot, such as uh, the capital gains tax, mm-hmm. um, brought out a lot more voters than in a traditional election on a mm-hmm. subject, and they tend to vote in similar ways conservatively on other things. So... Yes, all of those things can impact it, all those things can change, and Joseph, I think you bring up a very good point, because we've already seen many times where one council has committed to something, and then with the change of the majority on council, the next election, um, after the next election, the next council meeting, those same commitments have been reversed. So any commitment really, truly isn't necessarily need to be honored by the, the next counselors coming into place. So, Dana, you touched upon before um, some of the lenses that we had used. I think that there's probably more to add the most important components that you felt the Charter Committee needed to complete. Go for it. Excellent. Good question. Um, mm-hmm. I would say that it was it was pretty clear to many of us on the committee that we weren't representative of our community, Right. Like I know if I were to look at my one street that I live on, that we've got neighbors that are Russian and Chinese and Haitian and African and Latino and white. And when we looked, you know, on our Zoom calls of our charter review committee, we clearly were not representative of, you know, what makes Gresham great you know, the strength, the strength of our differences. And so many of the committee members decided we needed to consider equity more seriously in the process that we were utilizing. We wanted to consider the identities of those that were impacted by the amendments that we might consider, and then think about how are those people represented in the decision-making that we were, were working through. So who specifically has power? So for example, if we were to think about ranked choice voting, Um, versus the type of voting that we have right now, which is first past the post. Most often people get their ballots and they have to consider this kind of mental calculus of who's actually electable, who's most likely to win. And they compare that to who they're, the person that they have the most values alignment with. And oftentimes, or sometimes, people will actually not vote for their favorite person because of that, that risk. When we instead consider ranked choice voting... It allows for people to vote for multiple people in their their preferred order, right? So you could vote for the person that you have the best values alignment with. And then number two, you could vote for the person who you think is probably the most electable and still going to win the popularity contest and still put other people in third place and fourth place. And what this does is it empowers people to to vote for their neighbors that they have that they they really want to see in power and in the, in so doing it shifts the power dynamics and gives more power to the electorate rather than the power to the privileged system of elections that we have 
A second thing that I think that a lot of us considered is we wanted to trust the knowledge and the experience of the people that are the most impacted or marginalized in our community. So that was a big part of the reason why we decided we needed to hire a facilitator. We needed to have events where there was listening sessions that were anecdotal and not just online surveys or just listening to those of us that happened to attend a handful of events. We also had a person that was on our subcommittee who wanted to compare the um, input that we were receiving, the demographics of those people, to the demographics of what the census shows are representative of our community. And so we, by, by comparing those two um, pieces of data, we were able to make sure that we were really fair in who we were collecting information from and that we were unbiased with the lenses that we had and the, the community that we were all connected to. Jack? Yeah, um, on that note, when we, when we did that comparison, I remember we saw gaps yeah. in who we were getting responses from. And we modified our outreach to those gaps and kind of got our, got our uh, survey out in hopes of getting more representation from groups that we saw we were not getting enough representation from. And to touch a little bit, too, on this, uh, you know, equity is kind of, I don't want to say like a new way of looking at like civil rights per se. In the late 20, 20th century, it was all about equality, right? Separate can never be equal. But in the 21st century, that conversation has moved past equality into equity, right? People that have been wronged, how can we do our best to right those wrongs in such a way that is not just equal? Because equality is not, is not like equality of opportunity is not the same over a course of time. That's where equity comes in, right? If I'm getting $100 a month and someone's getting $0 a month, and then next month we're both getting $100 we're both equally in a hundred, but that's not equity. I've got two hundred, and that person has one hundred. And so, equity in terms of how we were approaching the charter committee is not just based on; it is mainly based on, I should say, political power. How do we have equity and political power for the people of Gresham? In the recent twenty twenty census data, I believe Gresham was forty percent people of color. So, out of a group of five people, there will be three white people and two non-white people. And so as a non-white person living in Gretchen, it's great to live in one of the most diverse cities in the state. How could we approach equity and political power together and to make these recommendations for the charter is something that was driving us forward. Tim, did you have something to say? <laughs> yes, thank you. Thank you. Um, there's a myth that greatness is found in the past. And we've narrowed down 50 plus ideas to six solid ideas to give to the city council because we're looking to aggression of the future. You know, when this council, this form of government was first implemented in the city of Gresham, you had to go to Gateway to go to Fred Myers. Burnside was just a two-lane road. It was a two-lane road um, going to Sandy that my lifelong friends, Greshamite friends, they'll argue whether there was a stop sign or not between Gresham and Sandy. The city has changed. As, as Joseph said, you know, we're more diverse and we've had a 246 increase in population. So changes in the future, and they are positive changes that the people need to have a right to vote on. So is there any other topics that you think is important to address? Yeah, so as the author or person really pushing for the 60% charter amendment at a recent city council meeting, they took out some of the historical context right. from the ballot language uh, on that amendment. Uh, I feel very strongly that they should put it back. There are some restrictions on how many word counts it could be, whether it should be factual, etc. 
that can all well said and done meet all the requirements you need and put that historical context and historical facts regarding the current uh, requirement to have 60% to change a charter on the in the ballot language. Yeah, yeah. and I'll also add, I'm always a little cautious when we start removing history. Like, who are you really <laughs> serving? If you start pulling out historical facts. <laughs> so, I'll, in the most generous, That's a different podcast. In the most <laughs> generous light I can say for council, on the ballot language, getting into the specifics, and, and there was a yes vote portion. If you vote yes, here's what will happen. And then there's a no vote portion. If you vote no, here's what will happen. The historical context was in the no vote, vote portion. It should be in the summary portion. So they just all they did was take it out, but they didn't put it back. So they, I think, very strongly, they should put it back in the summary portion because those are real facts related to how Gresham operates today based on the current charter language. I will say it also, it, it does kind of sink in a little for what it means if this, if this change does happen. Because it doesn't make a lot of sense to people. What's the difference between 50 and 60? It's 10%. How much does that really matter? What, how would Gresham look different? if we change this and having the historical context as well, these are the things that would have passed in the past. If it was a 60% could be useful. I could see that as a, as a good argument for why this is even an issue that needs to be talked about. One other thing that I would love to hear that there's progress around is what the city council will do with the non-discrimination work Mm. because we were unable to finish it. We all felt like it's important. All but one members of our committee decided to move it forward to the council because we felt like it was an important body of work to continue getting finessed. And I I will say that in the process of researching what is the, the current status of, you know, our various union contracts and how do we provide legal protection for people as a city that there, there definitely appears to be a lot of issues that complicate how people are protected. And I really don't want to see that work, just because it was unfinished, um, not continue. Working along with legal teams and you know anyone else within the, the city that n- knows the, the best ways for each of those recommendations to, to sit. As we finish up this podcast, when other people are listening to this, what would you like them to take away? What would you like them to, to do to, to either engage or ideas as to how to participate or stay involved in any of these processes? Any ideas? Joseph? Uh, an easy one is if you're eligible to vote, you should always vote. Vote in every election, special election. Voting in Oregon is pretty easy they mail you your ballot you fill it out you mail it back or you can drop it off a chocolate box all of the things that we've talked about here today they will appear on a ballot so if you're eligible to vote and you have an opinion on whether something should or should not pass make sure you're paying attention to your ballot you register to vote vote and sit down and, and do the work separately this is a citizen run committee we are appointed by council but like we are all we all live in gresham we are residents in gresham we lost some members because they moved outside gresham mm-hmm. so like if you are in gresham and you are interested in this body of work i believe another committee will be formed in a few short years that will be looking for more members on how to um, modify change improve the charter so if you think that this interests you even a little bit consider uh, applying to the committee in the future and as these ballot measures come up and these ideas come up, I, I ask the citizenry to 
contact city council members that are perhaps opposed to why it wouldn't be easier to do an election in just your neighborhood where you could walk and meet all your neighbors or why you can't have more than a couple people on the ballot in which you can rank your votes. You know, call them, ask them why they're opposed to this because it's the common sense, at least for sure those two issues. 60% is common sense too. They're looking at if you're bothering to vote or not. And the other thing I would say is, you know, we have this conversation about um, if these, if, you know, our six measures are going to be put on the ballot. And I, I really do feel that the conversation shouldn't be, are, are the citizens going to be allowed to vote on this? It's what is the reasoning for not allowing our residents to vote? And if you see something on here that you wanted to vote on and our council's not letting you vote on it, get mad. Respectfully. What does get mad mean? What does the action look like? Well, you know, <laughs> uh, and I'll, I'll leave it up to each individual, but let's just say getting mad can can be uh, talking to people about it, you know, writing to your counselors, writing to your newspapers. Communicating. And, yeah, and pointing out the harm. So don't don't be shy about it. Say, hey, I wanted to vote on this. The X person didn't let me vote on this. I, I'm mad about it, and I'm going to tell everyone I know about it. Last time I got mad at city council, I registered to give public comment, and then I sat there, and I talked to them. Yeah, I guess maybe the answer to the question is, what does get mad mean? It means do whatever you can. You know, what whatever you're able to do. Joseph, Joseph was able to show up to council and, you know, tell council his opinion. If you can't do that, call him, email him, email your newspaper, talk to people in line when you're in Starbucks. Whatever you can do, start doing it. And I think that's really key to our community is the ability for people to take action um, instead of stay home and be upset about things because really the power can be behind the people if they mm -hmm. choose to step up. And there are options like coming to council and speaking, like writing your newspaper, etc. As As they've said, political movements in the past have said, get into good trouble. Yeah, good trouble. <laughs> Okay, well, with that, I want to thank you all so very much for being here. I know I'll be posting some information along with the podcast in ways to get hold of others with if they have questions or concerns or want to get involved in some way. Thank you, every single one of you, so much for being here today and your commitment. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Uh, we always like to end the show with the question of the week. You can answer the question of the week by going to our website, Facebook, or leave us a phone message. We hear what you think, and we'd love to hear your views. So what's the question of the week? Our question of the week this week is regarding the Charter Review Committee and their recommendations to council. Do you have specific questions regarding the different options they have offered that they would like to see go forward to the ballot? Do you feel that all of the options should go forward to the ballot to be voted on? What do you feel about the 60% vote requirement in order for any of the ballot measures to pass? Would love to hear your thoughts. Thank you. Thank you.